Hey everybody, you've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm Andrew. And this is Josh. We will be talking, we won't be talking about movies from the 23rd to the 29th of November of 2018, because we are recording this in the past. Yeah, we normally would have talked about those things, but we don't know what they are, so... I guess every podcast is recorded in the past. In a way, but this one even more so. But I don't know, I'm curious how many people listen and actually are listening for the show times, like who listen right away, who listen the day it comes out. Because I know some people just listen to hear us chat about movie nerd stuff. Yeah, hopefully 95% of the people. Yeah, (laughs) and I know people listen who are out of town, so that doesn't help them at all. Nah. So I I never worry about too much about, you know, want to mention the movies, but I don't care about getting off topic and just talking about nerd stuff for half an hour. Because that's what happens inevitably, so we can't change. (laughs) So we're kill-billing it. Eric and I are doing back-to-back podcast andrew's being a professional and actually just doing mayfair work for the yeah. past half hour he went out in the cold like a yeah. like a big boy i guess while we hid inside eric and i both biked here which was foolish yeah it seemed like a good idea when i left the house it was sunny kind of nice out yeah and now now i'm scared to bike home <laughs> forget, later. it gets dark at like 4 p.m now so i'm scared the other day and i'm not kidding it was dark at 2 30 and it's because it was snowing so it was super cloudy yeah mm. But then I'm at home, and I'm like, oh, bedtime. Like, yeah. I, I, it just wrecks me. Like, that's the end of the day, 2.30. That's the worst. I have two 5.30 shifts in one week, and it's weird to get even one, but I have two within a couple of days. And it's like, on the surface, you're like, oh, that's cool. You can sleep in, get up, do all your stuff. But then it's all it sucks, because, like, you can't really relax fully, because you're like, okay, well, in four hours, I got to go yeah. work, and which is great and all, but it's just like... I don't know, you can't really... It's always in the back of your head, like a, like a Sunday night, you know, leading into a Monday when you're waiting for school or something. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not... And winter doesn't help, obviously, because, like, yeah, it's pitch black and it's 5 o'clock, so... Yeah, and the reason we're doing this now is because I'm out of town next week. I'm going to New York, and this is the... What's in New York? We are going to New York to see the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. Oh, man, you didn't say that on the last podcast. Yeah, so that's, what, that's the reasoning. But so far... We've got tickets to go see Michael C. Hall do a one-man show, mm-hmm. and I think it's a one-man show, like heavy drama, like single sad. spotlight on him. Yeah, kind of okay. the whole bit. Yeah, <laughs> and then going to see Brian Cranston do Network. Oh. So that's kind of movie, oh, movie that'd be related. Nice. He's, he's playing the main role. I'm assuming he's playing Jimmy Network. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, no, he's, is he playing? <laughs> he's, crazy guy he's playing the guy who yells out the window I think. Howard, Howard Beale or something yeah, yeah. He's, it, he's, he's, he's mad, mad as hell he's mad as hell and yeah. doesn't give a damn anymore yeah, I don't know spoiler. I think there's other cool people in it too yeah, Andrew knows but it's a it's interesting because I saw him on Colbert a week ago plugging this show and that was an original screenplay so that was not based on a book or anything mm-hmm. so this is a Broadway play based on a 40 year old movie about something that is sadly Super still topical right. about the horrors of politics and media. And it's, it's worse. It's worse. <laughs> That's the yeah. sad thing. Like it's aged so well in a terrible way. <laughs> I feel bad about all those people who made all the presidents men and all those movies of just being like, like if, they, if they saw into the future, it'd be like, it's not fixed yet. Yeah, <laughs> it's still bad. Uh, how do you think Al Gore feels? Poor Al Gore. <laughs> uh, it's all good. The, the world will be gone in a couple of years. We won't have to worry <laughs> about it. It's all good. Mad Max is a couple years away. Yeah, exactly. Oh man. So yeah, so we're doing a bit of Broadway. FAO Schwartz is reopening. That's oh, wow. an exciting free thing to do. Yeah. Go look at all the toys. And then hoping to visit a friendly internet nerd acquaintance of mine, Stuart Wellington, who oh. is on the Flophouse podcast. Not Neil Breen. Not Neil Breen. I thought you were going to say for sure. We're gonna, we're, he's, in, he's in Vegas. <laughs> That's true. 
Yeah, that's a whole other thing. You, you just Vegas, uh, it's not for me personally. Yeah. But if you happen to be in Vegas and you see Neil Breen, that's just hilarious. You know? Yeah. So what are you gonna do? If I was in Vegas, I'd pretend to be looking for a house and get him to show me around. <laughs> I, a friend of mine is literally a real estate agent in Vegas. He must so know Neil Breen. He probably does, <laughs> to be honest. But he wouldn't. He's not like a big movie guy, so he'd have no clue who he was, or he wouldn't really care. But yeah. But that is hilarious. Like if I the next time I'm in in LA, I could be like, hey, let's go to Vegas and see my friend, and secretly try to find Neil Breen. Well, Andrew, didn't you? Did you find the picture of the Neil Breen? ad or somebody sent like a bus ad that it's an ad of him as a realtor but he's not a realtor he said in an interview that he's like oh i did that for a little while but i'm i think he's an architect that's what he does like a real architect not a george costanza (laughs) yeah like like he's not i guess people think he's a realtor because you can see his forget what the company was maybe he did that for a little while but he doesn't do that anymore so he was though it did happen it's all very he's very cagey about it yeah like like there's some interview on a podcast online where he's like oh i'm I'm not a realtor that's (laughs) like he's denying it or something but it's like i'm not a realtor i did it briefly like so you were it was like no i'm not like no i know you're not but it's it's like a who's on first i forget what he said either he did it briefly or he didn't do it at all I I don't know he's a man of mystery seriously well I almost feel like how much of it is reality and how much of it is him stoking the flames of that mystery and maybe none of it but it's just like that's what I find interesting about him because you're just like who are you what are you like it's just (laughs) insane who am I what am I exactly I am here now like okay but what does that mean it's always guys like Neil Breen and Tommy Wiseau I don't think Neil Breen likes being compared to Tommy Wiseau I believe there's a pass there and they're very different yeah they both seem to be obsessed with copyright though and they kind of look the same a little bit. <laughs> here we go. But if we're going all in, we might as well just push the chips <laughs> yeah. to the middle of the table here. But we get the question over and over again, is Tommy real? So we've never had Neil Breen here. We've had Tommy here. And I've said before, unless he's pulling off the greatest, better than Andy Kaufman trick of all yeah. time, mm-hmm. he's real. Yeah. Because a lot of people thought, like, it's a trick, you know, yeah. he's playing a character. The greatest trick Tommy Wiseau ever <laughs> pulled off was convincing yeah. me he didn't exist. And it's like Crispin. Crispin Glover is very eccentric, yeah. but a very nice guy, lovely guy. Yeah. But that's real. Like, he's an eccentric dude, you yeah. know? And Well, he... even if you are faking it, it still makes you eccentric. Yeah, yeah. that's true, too. Yeah. Even if it's still an act. It works both ways. Yeah, like Andy Kaufman wasn't even... Andy Kaufman was never normal. He was always yeah. different shades of weird. Right. And the difference is that Andy Kaufman had a career... He did TV shows and live stuff and appeared on Letterman, whatever. Tommy has, well, lately more, but for a long time, one thing. Yeah. Now, within the last couple of years, he will have done two Best Friends movies. Yeah. And that weird online TV show he did. The Neighbors. The Neighbors. Okay. Yeah. Which and I couldn't I couldn't through yes, five seconds of that. Same. I was just like, oh, this could be funny. I was like, all right, I'm annoyed. <laughs> I think the intention at one point was to play them all almost, which would have been fun, Almost like serial style. Okay. Because we played the first episode in front of the room one night. <laughs> that, and just and the sound through. level, it was like glaring. Oh. We had to like turn yeah. it down to three. It's like, and who made this DVD? A lot of people knew it was coming, but some just weren't paying attention. Yeah. And would come out and be like, is it the room playing? We're like, no, no, this is the thing before yeah. the room. Is this a deleted scene? Like, yeah. that's just really long? So yeah, he's he's been a little bit more productive but for a good decade it was just the room yeah and even like 
I almost, you know, I hesitate to say that he was in two Best Friends movies, because he was, but it's also like he was in one really long movie, yes. so it's not like, that was one project. So, right, right, right. Like, not to take anything away from it, but I'm just sort of like, he's kind of only done, like, three things, basically. Yeah, but, and I think it seems that the James Franco experience has turned him around, because if you look at the way he is with the media, look at the way he is online, and even there's a couple times where his website is, is or his Twitter feed is really inspirational. Like, yeah. he, he basically says, like, follow your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. 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 It's great. Like, positivity on Twitter is always needed. Like, on the internet in general, but definitely on yeah. Twitter. <laughs> so. But yeah, we'll see. Like, so that, we might be done with Twisted Pair. We might be done with Neil Breen until the next movie in a couple years. Or Twisted Pair could be on the schedule this week. We don't even know. Yeah, by the time you listen to this, maybe <laughs> it's in December. Yeah. And I say this week because I picture, like, when people hear it, we're talking about that week, even though it's in two weeks. I don't yeah. know. Feels so, so weird. Yeah, in December 2018, as we speak, we have The Room, Rocky Horror, and Cinema lined up. Right. They're actually, like, on the website, teased, so they're ready to go. <laughs> so the fourth Saturday night there... Yeah. Could be Twisted Pair. Could be. Well, we don't know yet. It feels like we're in a Neil Breen movie right now yeah. with the whole time sequence out of, out of set, you know. But we do have stuff that far away, which is crazy. We're going to blink and we're going to have a 2019 January premiere. But right Oof. now we have Saturday morning cartoons in December. Oh, God. That same day as The Room. Same day as The Room. It always is, happens. I don't know yeah. if that's good or bad, but... We already have the Ed Wood movie planned. Right, yeah. When is that? November? Or it's it's November. the 23rd, so okay. we don't, I so, guess we don't have a, a date locked Well, there down. you go. So that's one for this week. Yeah. We're, we're doing that more now because we just had a track record the last little while of just getting screwed or something really big comes in like Mandy or Suspiria, so we got to move stuff around. Yeah. And most people aren't diehard about being a month in advance. I'm setting aside that Friday. Right. So I think we're going to get more in the habit, admittedly, because it's a little less work for Andrew and I and people doing the website stuff. Yeah. Because I don't got to make a new poster when a November 23rd becomes a November 24th. Right. So we just put the week of November 23rd and people know, that's eh, it's coming sometime yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. It's like, good enough. I'll figure it out. And that happened just recently. Oh, oh here we go. Oh. In my files. Alec. So I'm like, so oh, the weird. star of Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> so good. Hello, Mr. Robot. I'm so sad that wasn't Remy Malik. That yeah. would be him checking in on us. Yeah, I could tell instantly. And then once they talk about that creepy Polar Express. Oh, Polar Express. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that I get the date right so I don't miss the terrifying 3D effects. <laughs> oh, poor Polar Express. Yeah. I wish that movie was locked in the Disney vault. Wait, is that Fox? No. What is it? Is that 20th Century Fox, Polar Express? Or is it? Is it DreamWorks? Or it's Warner Brothers. Ah, Jesus, there we go. If it was Fox, at least it'd be locked away in the vault <laughs> this soon. This is the first time we've ever wanted yeah. <laughs> something to be locked in the vault. <laughs> like, can we give you a list of movies we never want to see again? Oh, Polar Express. Is it still recording? Yeah, I, pre- I pressed pause because that was a long phone call, but we're back now. Longer yeah. than I expected. And then you were almost helpful, but not uh, at the end there. Yeah, like, when you said 10 a.m., I thought talk about cartoons. God, that's going to be good, though. So, yeah, we already have a bunch of stuff lined up. More. What I like about the Ed Wood thing is it's more example of... If we had, if we were still in a world of thirty-five millimeter film, right, we wouldn't have this movie. Yeah. So the Although silver we lining. We could screen it if yes. it came to that, which it won't. But the silver lining about people who were afraid of the digital takeover a few years back is you just look at this run of amazing long lost B movies that we've gotten to oh, screen. Yeah. So this is one of them, and this Ed Wood movie would would never have 
had the budget to make a bunch of 35 millimeter prints of to then yeah. send to cinemas but they could find that one 35 millimeter print yeah the 16 millimeter 16 millimeter print, millimeter Ooh, print. yeah jeez that's what andrew's here for he's got the backup yeah. info yeah. on that I, I always find that it, it's it seems to happen almost weekly now where you'll find oh the only dis, you know 35 millimeter 16 millimeter print in existence discovered or something like that of just random stuff that you think you would never see or you would never get remastered I'm just so thankful that especially when it's like appears that there's only one in the world and I'm like thank god that didn't burn in a fire yeah. or something like it's just because it's just gone not to make light of the fires that are happening as we speak in California yeah as we speak as we not speak. when you hear this yeah I got scared because it looked like Guillermo del Toro's house might burn down right which is essentially a museum and oh yeah, that's right. The Bleak House, is Bleak it House, yeah. yeah. But he has updated that it looks like everything's cool. Yeah, and the fire has passed them by. But it's stuff like that when that's when stuff like that gets lost. Like yeah. there's a fire at a museum or a fire at a library or mm-hmm. film archive, and all of a sudden all this stuff. What is about gone. Quentin Tarantino's house? Oh my god, where does Quentin live? Does he live near there? No, he <laughs> he must have an underground bunker for all of his stuff. I would I would hope like to some of his. Or he's got a storage facility for his prints. Yeah, there must be something with like you know flame retardant walls or something. I don't even know. But they said something about the. the Something on Paramount burned down, like a Paramount backlot. Oh, yeah, oh that's Westworld right. Yeah, I heard of that. Yeah, yeah, but like they filmed Westworld and other things. So I don't know, because yeah, the set burned down, and then it, like I mean, you can rebuild that, but how? And, and it's not the time to be, you know, because you're worried about human life and whatnot. Exactly, but you're also yeah. like, how much did you film of Westworld season three? You know, it's like just stuff like that, and and it it really is tragic and. Especially when you have people who are just like, oh, they're rich, they've got insurance, whatever. And it's just like, well, it's not really the And point. you were just there. Yeah. Were you, but I know California's a big state, but were you anywhere near where this is happening? Um, I was like, I mean, close-ish, but not re- not close enough that yeah. there would have been. Because like, you know, my friend has like a couple of kids and stuff and I haven't, they don't seem that worried. So I'm, good. I'm assuming they're not that close. Yeah. But even still, his parents are visiting this week. This week, not that, you know, in two weeks it won't be this week. And so I was thinking that same thing. I was like, not to be a jerk, but I'm kind of glad when I went up, it was all good. And now your parents go up and there's these horrible fires. Yeah. Like, it's just kind of casts a pallor on uh, American Thanksgiving. Poor California. California is one of those things where it's like, maybe we should all just move east a little bit and <laughs> let the ocean eat up the state. Yeah. You know, like, it's, it's insane, you know. Uh, it is really tragic because there definitely were, I know, like Scott Derrickson's house burned down. Yeah. And, and you just... You just imagine, yeah, like all the stuff, like just posters and prints and whatever that just is gone. And at the end of the day, it's all just stuff. But That's what he said, yeah. He was like, ah, it's stuff. But poor Gerard Butler posted a photo (laughs) and his house is gone, you know. And and so it's, from a nerd point of view, of course, hoping everybody gets out okay. But I'm just like... Oh my God, Guillermo del Toro has a lot of stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh God, and and you know, and it's a good segue to recently discovered, almost lost forever stuff. Yes. That, you know, I think Andrew wants to uh, chat about some Romero projects. There's one. Throw to Andrew. Had a novel that he was writing. Oh yeah, the, the Living Dead. The Living Dead. Yeah. That this guy is who writes for Guillermo del Toro. Okay. His name. Oh, is it the dude who worked on the uh, the vampire. The uh, yeah, he. The I think he, Yeah, I think he worked on Troll Hunters. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's finishing this unfinished manuscript that George Romero was writing called The Living Dead. It was a novel. And then he also found, well, no, I don't know who found it, but Romero's wife mentioned that he had a film that he made back in the early 70s that was never released called The Amusement Park. So and crazy. I had never heard of this. I've never heard of this. Nobody had heard of it. Yeah. And it turns out 
it was made in between season of the witch and the crazies so it was like after night of the living dead but before dawn of the dead i read a little bit about the info that is out there about it it's a 60 minute it's not a, a theatrical feature film it's a 60 minute like a psa psa yeah it's about this old man who who visits this amusement park and it's like demented and evil and crazy apparently <laughs> so weird. i love all the things you're saying so apparently the, the story behind it is that because he made he did commercials and industrial films his right. company yeah. right so i guess this was like something that they were hired to do yeah, these like, religious folks were like yeah. hey can you make this psa about ageism like discriminating against the elderly we haven't seen your other work so yeah so, so he made this film called the amusement park about you know an old man being treated horribly at, a, at an amusement park yeah. and apparently they watched it and were so horrified that they refused to release it yeah that's amazing so it just got buried I mean, that's the kind of stuff that gets lost like forever there were screen captures posted of it on Twitter. Yeah, and, and I think that that guy, like it was, uh, I can't remember his name now, like da David something. He's, he's like, I think he wrote uh, The Shape of Water, actually, mm. the guy who saw it. He saw it. He saw like a crappy VHS copy of it yeah. and said, this is amazing. This is like the best thing Romero's done after Night of the Living Dead. Are they yeah. doing like a Kickstarter or something for yeah. it? Or? Well, actually, just... there's a foundation set up in George Romero's name, George A. Romero Foundation. Yeah. I forget the URL, but just Google George Romero Foundation. Yeah, and you can you can kick in some money to help get it restored. I mean, I don't know if the original elements, film elements, are available. It wasn't clear on that, but I do know that they there's a micro cinema in possibly Philadelphia, but they were doing some screenings of it in March of this year of I guess of the VHS or whatever. Yeah, and so they had four screenings planned in a row, and then after the first screening, the producers caught wind of it and shut it down. Yeah, they don't want it out there. Yeah, which is so that just excites me even more. Yeah, but but could you imagine having a ticket for the second show and you're just like, oh, here we go, and you're like, you're never gonna see this. So so it is cool that you know since that Twitter story broke. The floodgates of stories, you know, on websites open, and I, apparently they've been getting a ton of donations because of that. So I mean, mm -hmm. that's the great thing about the internet. It made uh, it made me wonder why Romero never talked about it when he was alive. But yeah. I'm guessing either like just, it was a sore point, or or he just maybe just didn't care. Maybe that he wasn't much. allowed to talk about it for legal reasons. Yeah. you know. Yeah, but whatever it gets released, I mean, if it's 60 minutes right on the nose, yeah, it wouldn't be too difficult to kind of slap on an opening credit and some end credits and bump it up to like 64 minutes there are like, there are credits oh, so like, for it yeah because yeah. yeah. I mean technically it was finished it was just it was a, I guess a 60 minute made for TV thing that yeah yeah just <laughs> was never released on TV yeah and I think you know obviously there, I do think it's going to come out for sure and I mean you know like a, like a Blu-ray that'll sell regardless of you know yeah it's only an hour but you know you throw on a bunch of whatever extras on there and people are down I mean that's that's a I would say if, if that gets a some sort of distribution at all, we'd be all over it. I oh, I'm sure. Like yeah, yeah. Leaves. I just wonder who prints it because I know. Yeah. George Romero wrote a couple of things for DC Comics, mm. and I forget the title right now, but you can get them in trade. Toe got, tags. Yes, toe tags toe was tags. one. And he wrote then, a, uh, like a children's book or something too. Oh, yeah. Man. Toe tags was one, and then one was an of the dead or dead. yeah, yeah, I read Empire of the Dead. Empire of the Dead. Yeah, yeah, I read that. I really liked both of those. Yeah. And I'm sure somebody would be, even though he's gone now, to be, yeah. well, there's two more George Romero movies well, you can make there. AMC was going to do a TV show for Empire of the Dead. Like, it was locked in. And yeah. then it just... 
didn't happen. And I don't know if it's... Well, th- there was going to be another Of the Dead movie. He was, that, yeah, that as he, well. He wasn't going to direct it. He, he had wrote, or at least co-wrote a script called yeah. Road of the Dead, yeah, which was, was. going to be kind of a Mad Max type okay, yeah. Of the Dead movie. Yeah. And which I don't know, maybe that'll still I saw, come to fruition. I can't remember. Is it his son? Yeah. Or his, his grandson? His son's doing his a son. prequel uh, of to Night of the Living Dead. But all yeah. using kind of... And this is always kind of like good news, bad news. Because yeah. best case scenario, oh, great, a lost thing. But worst case scenario is sometimes you're like, well, maybe it didn't come out because he didn't want it to come yeah. out or wasn't finished. But and it's I think they're doing it's like there's some there's two projects because I think there's one that's a direct sequel. To, I want to say to Night of Living Dead, but that doesn't seem right. But but there yeah, his son was doing a prequel to Night of Living Dead, explaining you know whatever all the all the with zombieism and such. Yeah. And then there was another project as well that that was something else that was like a sequel, a direct sequel to Day or to Night. I don't know who cares, but. So, who knows? I mean, maybe we'll see both. Maybe we'll see neither. Because poor George, you see, there was gaps in his career, and it wasn't that he was sitting around. No. And I forget the exact time frame, but there was one time frame there where he almost directed the Brendan Fraser mummy movie. He almost directed Resident Evil. Yeah. He almost directed, I think, a couple different Stephen King projects. Yeah. So, it was just that. It was like there was like almost a decade, or there was like maybe like eight or nine years between the dark half and... Land of the Dead, something like that. Yeah. Where he was trying to get stuff done, but it just kept on falling apart, falling yeah. apart. And then in his later years, before he passed away, he got Land of the Dead, a couple more dead movies. Yeah. So then he started kind of writing the comic books, doing stuff. Yeah, but, because all of a sudden there was a there was money in zombie movies. Yeah. Stuff, you know, uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake and all those video games that they did. And, it's it's funny that like in '85 we got Return of the Living Dead and Day of the Dead, which are like just totally different, but both enjoyable in their way. I mean, like Return of the Living Dead is a little more of a, like a party flick, but yeah. but Day of the Dead, I think uh, it's it's gotten a lot more credibility in the last decade or so, just because mm-hmm. a lot of people were like, oh, it's too talky, it's boring or whatever. But it's it definitely has a following for sure, and it's an interesting movie. And 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 the first and last half hour are gory, but the middle part is really just yeah. kind of an interesting. It's not my favorite. No, oh god, no, I don't. I mean, I won't say it's nobody's favorite of the trilogy, but, but I mean, it's... there's good stuff in it. I mean, Tom Savini's effects in it are oh, yeah. first rate. Incredible. When Joe Palato knocks it out of the park. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> trying to be nice here. But but yeah, no, it's... Uh, and what I find interesting, sort of like to accidentally tie it back into Suspiria, is just that we only got Dawn of the Dead because of Dario Argento. And just like to have him step in and be like, hey, you can come and live with me and write a sequel to Night of the Dead, which I really liked, as long as I get to make my own cut for, for Italy. And, and that's and, confusing. That's yeah. zombie, zombie two, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, whatever. <laughs> yeah, like that's a whole other. Yeah, you get Fulci in there and Argento and Romero. You know the and then trying the to explain tree. like, wait, why is this called Zombie Two? Where's Zombie One? Yeah. Well, Zombie One is kind of Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, but this isn't really connected. No, it's kind of a ripoff. But oh and like, even like zombie, there's five zombie movies technically, but and the, like just the whole thing's absurd. But I, I do kind of love that, like the audacity of the Italian like retitles are just so funny. Some of the time, like like there's a Terminator Two that's not at all <laughs> Terminator Two. Like it's just Alien Two. Yeah, oh, that's hilarious too. Where you're just like, all right, we'll just keep adding two on stuff and maybe will trick people who knows I remember seeing Zombie 2 here back in the day like before our generation of the Mayfair yeah and this was before the internet and before all that stuff and just my jaw hitting the floor when the zombie fights the shark yeah. like just yeah. like it's so, yeah. the fact that they had that in a Microsoft commercial I don't know if you remember that but no? really? like yeah like about like 7-8 years ago there was a Microsoft commercial for some product of some kind and it had that scene in it and I was like 
what is happening <laughs> here? Like, who, like, and how many people get what's happening here? Like, it's, that's the kind of thing. If you guys saw it, you'd be like, holy shit. Yeah. But I kind of liked that you have someone probably working for them that was just like, you know what would be fun if we could get the rights to is this clip. And it was great. I mean, nobody seems to remember that ad but me, but... You know, it made an impact. <laughs> it's even in an episode of Degrassi Junior High. Oh, what? man. Where Wheels, Snake, and Joey have a sleepover, and they're watching it on TV. Cool. Do they get caught and in trouble? <laughs> well, they don't say what the movie is. They just happen to be watching a horror movie, and I'm like, that zombie that they're watching. <laughs> Andrew with the glasses lowered on it in the checklist. I'm like, well, that, that appears to be zombie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I was thinking about how... I was listening to our friend's horror movie survival guide podcast, and they were talking about Shocker. They're doing a whole bunch of Wes Craven nice. movies. And I did the math on Shocker, and I saw Shocker here, and I'm like, I was like 13. Yeah. When I was 13, I looked like I was about 10. And so I was like, wow, they really didn't care about selling us yeah, movie tickets. You wouldn't have let you in. I wouldn't have <laughs> let me in, no. I'd be like, sir, you're eight years old. Yeah, you're like, can I, I want to see the uh, Detective Skinner movie, please. <laughs> and I looked it up to double check, because... You know, often an R rating in the States is 14 here. But I looked it up on the... You can just look it up on the... What is it called? Just the Ontario ratings guy? Yeah, yeah. It was R. It was R rated here. So the clerk at the Mayfair back in 1990, whatever it was, was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's fine. Go on in. That's hilarious. And I think the bad guy's name, I think, was Horace Pinker, which yeah. is like the least scary bad guy serial killer name I've ever heard yeah. in my life. Yeah. And you can see, like, they were hoping this was going to be the next Freddy. yeah. Like, he's kind of a, you know, he's supposed to be funny, but... And it didn't flop, but I guess it just didn't make enough to garner sequels. Yeah, and it also, the problem was, like, there was at least two or three movies with a similar premise that came out around that time. Like, House 3, or Fake House 3, basically, was another one with Lance Henriksen and and another guy that you've seen in a bunch of stuff, but you don't know who he is. All that Wes Craven stuff, though, like, People Under the Stairs. Yeah. All that kind of stuff around that era, you could see that they were like, we want another Freddy. Yeah. Yeah. You were just thrown off because Shocker was a, like, Spider-Man was nowhere to be seen. Yeah, where's Spider-Man? just really blew that version of Shocker in that movie, but still. But then he got Scream a couple years later, and for better or for worse for poor Wes, that gave him four movies to direct when I think he was like, I want to do other things. You're like, like, why did Music of the Heart really didn't land? I don't know why they didn't come to my dramatic movie. Uh, But I love that where he's like, I forget if it was Scream 2 or 3, but he's like, I'll do another one, but you have to let me do a real movie. Yeah. And they're like, okay, you can do this. And, then, and they know it's just going to come and go. So they're like, fine, you know, placate him and we'll and just move supposedly on. Meryl Streep, who is, you know, obviously film knowledgeable, was like, who's directing this movie? Yeah. <laughs> like, I must like, have read that wrong. I don't die in this, do I? Yes. Is, um, is, is uh, Dreyfus in that as well? Is no, that's no. the other oh, one. That's Mr. Holland's Open. Mr. Holland's Very similar you, movies. How dare you mix up those two oh God. classics of cinema. I can't even believe I remembered Music of the Heart in the first place. So that's Man, was that poor Richard Dreyfus's last real movie? I don't even... Yeah, because he just... Because it was like stuff. that always... What about Bob? It was all kind of around the same time. Another, yeah. another stakeout. Yeah, nobody brings that one up for some reason. I don't know why. Yikes. Another Jaws? Like, that would have been a good I just, title. It's that photo that Lee and Max have with Richard Dreyfus from some Comic-Con. I don't know where. Toronto. Um, like, pretty recent, too. Like, that was in the last year or two. And, and you it? see other photos, like, with Chuck Norris or the Rocky Horror guys or, or whoever. And they're smiling, you know, hugging, whatever. Yeah. 
And Dreyfus is just sitting there, yeah. and he just looks like he's going, I was in the biggest movie of yeah. all time. Yeah, he looked like he just put down a book he was in the middle of, and you're like, oh, yeah. all right. Yeah. <laughs> and you see other people, you know, Bruce Campbell, Nate Fillion, and they're making jokes, they're holding Because they, they like, know how to do, con- they've been doing conventions forever, so yes. they kind of know how to yeah, interact Campbell with the fans. Especially, like, but poor Dreyfus, just... I think, is just, I don't think he's doing it for the love of the game. You no. know, he's like, uh Great Costner movie, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> good Sam sh- Raimi. Good show to Yeah. Oh god, <laughs> man! So many deep cuts. This is really uh, God. I love I love horror guys doing not horror and just like seeing what happens, you know, because it rarely works. With all due respect. Well, a friend of mine on his Facebook feed said that he really liked the new Halloween. Yeah. And then I love when people reply with wrong and impossible blanket statements. Yeah. And this person replied and said something like, "There's never been a good remake. All remakes are bad." Yeah. And then, of course, people beat me to the punch. And usually I don't comment on those things because I'm like, I got better things to do. But then somebody said, well, what about The Thing? You know, what about The Fly? There's yeah. a couple of pretty good horror remakes. Mm-hmm. And then I said, it's not a horror remake, but I think that the Coen Brothers' True Grit is pretty heads, good. Yeah. heads yeah. above the original. And, you know, the Frank Oz Little Shop of Horrors is pretty decent, yeah. too. Dude, cool. I'm, I'm going to ride for The Blob 1988. Yeah. That is a damn good effects movie. And and pretty funny, too. But it's like any anytime a genre fan blanketly says, everything is bad. Oh, man. I could, like, give, no, I could list you 10 great remakes. For, all right, well, great. Yeah. yeah. It, start, it starts great and then goes, you know, good by the end. Yeah. But still. Even, like, in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, there's three solid oh versions of that. The 1970s one with Donald Sutherland and Spock. Yeah. Oh my god, there's a I remember watching that on TVO El Yost Saturday oh, at the god, movies. Yeah, so good. And I was watching it when I was like way too young, like eleven or twelve or something. <laughs> yeah. And there's a scene when everything starts going horribly wrong. And not even like effects or anything, but Sutherland just kind of looks at the camera yeah, yeah. and maybe and points yeah, and makes that points. noise. Yeah. I was terrified. Yeah, Andrew still does that to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, stop doing that. You don't clean the popcorn machine well yeah, enough. Yeah, I'm like, what did I do? And it's funny too because like the new Halloween isn't even really a remake like I've seen articles that are like it's yeah. basically a remake and I get it I, I, I get what they're saying right but that's just a whole other argument and I'm like now can we not just like movies anymore I'm like, never gonna get over a good movie I just wish it was called Halloween night or <laughs> it's Halloween time again or or Halloween like, again yeah, Halloween like, still Halloweening another Halloween I that would have been perfect I hope we're gonna get it we're not sure but we would like to fit it in and I said, I think it'll do fine even if we can't get it till like, first the, week of December That or would be great counter-programming for yeah. December as well. Like, I think that would be good. Like, we've you, you saw it, didn't you, Andrew? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. we've all seen it. I mean... I haven't seen it. Oh, I thought you saw it. Okay, no, never mind. Yet. Okay, no well, spoilers. Well, it's, uh, it's directed by David Gordon Green, so it has some indie cred. Yeah. And I, I, so it's not it's not inappropriate for the And Carpenter doing no. the score. Yeah. Oh, man. And it's so, like, I, I was looking at his filmography, like like David uh, Green, and, and I, I, I didn't actually realize, like, the breadth of what he's done. Like, I knew I knew he'd done more than just comedy, but it's kind of interesting, like, some of the stuff, I haven't seen all of it, but just... Well, his first movie, George Washington's really good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, because, like, some people sort of dismissed when they found out he and... Uh, Seth Rogen? Uh, no, the, the, the freaking, the guy who was in... Uh, he co-wrote this one, and he was in uh, Alien Danny Covenant. McBride. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah. It's funny that Alien Covenant is my go-to yeah. for him. I'm like, you know, the guy from Alien Covenant. But yeah, like a lot of people were like, oh, great, comedy guy's doing Halloween. Yeah, it already sucks no. kind of thing. You're just like, or we can wait and see, maybe? Yeah. Are we doing that still or no? So, you yeah, know, but like they did a great job. And, they did a movie, or, or he did a movie with Paul Rudd 
and like a weird indie movie just about two weirdos who put the um, the lines in the middle of the road yeah we oh. showed that one yeah what, I, Prince Avalanche Prince Avalanche oh man and it's, it's almost like um, I could be wrong in this in this comparison but almost like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern just like two dumb weird guys okay. doing something weird that would be a good title they two dumb that. weird guys doing something weird <laughs> but I loved it and it was just a simple weird movie with weird Paul Rudd you know and yeah. so but I love that they did Pineapple Express Prince Avalanche Halloween I like I like diversity Your Highness yeah yeah Your that's Highness. the other one yeah. where like I, you know I liked the premise I, I thought it was a little flabby and kind of could have been written a little better but yeah. I know a lot of people really liked that movie so yeah. I mean but yeah, no, they, they've they've got quite a filmography at this point. So yeah, hopefully we'll get Halloween. I just I just love. I remember being a kid and not really liking that Carpenter score. I just thought it was a cheat. It was like a guy plinking two keys on a piano. <laughs> clink 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 yeah, clink. Yeah, I could have done that. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> but man, I love Carpenter now. I love that like eighties yeah. keyboard. And I like that his son like also did the soundtrack with him. Like it was like yeah, and, and it's cool that he's been able to. And I think he plays live with them as well. Like they toured. I gotta see that. That's someday. that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Cool. We did see. We don't need to talk about current things. We just blab on for half an hour yeah. about other nerdy stuff. We don't even know what will be current by the time it's two weeks from now. <laughs> Sad. But uh, yeah, so we'll wrap this up because I'm gonna go and watch the terrifying free solo. Yeah. And free solo. It's free. I'm gonna be so disappointed when it's not a sequel to solo. Free solo. <laughs> you can still yell out funny stuff like yeah. at the Neil Breen thing. So go visit us on MayfairTheater.ca, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Go visit our friends at House of Targ. Always doing cool things over there. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon at the Mayfair. And I guess December 1st is Polar Express. <laughs> Side note. Yeah. Is, I'm trying to remember it now because I oh, know people will ask. Come see the Buster Keaton documentary. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great Buster on the 26th of November. That'll do that, too. Be, you'll be able to do that. Yeah. Come see all the Buster Keaton things. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, and then see Josh a few weeks after. I'll we'll be back. He'll have stories for you. We'll be back from the land of Lo- Trump. <laughs> Lots of stories. The land of Trump. <laughs> Thad Beaumont has a secret. I know all about it. A piece of himself he keeps hidden. You just don't want to give up George. You become attached to him. Locked away until he needs it. These behaviors could be interpreted as schizophrenia. Away from the light, safe in the shadows. I wrote those words, and I have no recollection of doing it. But sometimes, secrets take on a life of their own. Thad Beaumont thought he didn't need George Stark anymore. The American way of death. That's it. He served his purpose. Time to lay him to rest. But George is not about to go quietly. You really don't realize what you like when you write those books, do you? It's like watching Jekyll turn into high. We're here to question you in connection with a capital crime. Evidence says you did it. George Stark has somehow come to life. Hello, George. I've come closer to believing a ghost story than this. You're talking about a man who never was. No! He wants to take over your life. Can't you see that? Based upon a book by Stephen King comes George A. Romero's masterful vision of a nightmare come true. Are you ready? Just waiting on you. The Dark Half.